so live every single day like you're going to die but also that you're going to live for another thousand years and if you can find that balance that's the sweet spot and that's where we can have the continuous growth it's not getting knocked down it's getting back up again and again and again that ultimately makes you a champion this is the thing i want people to really take away convenience kills and choose the path of excellence as opposed to convenience are you feeling stuck lost tired or uninspired we've all been there including myself i'm coach des mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur i'm here to tell you that the best unapologetic and limitless version of yourself is yet to come the born unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that with motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. Hey everyone, it is Coach Des here, host of the Born Unbreakable podcast, and I am launching Born a Boss Babe 90-Day Transformational Program starting in August. And I'm looking for 18 to 24 year old, young, confident women who are ready to step up and excel in life. What is the biggest difference of somebody like an Oprah or a LeBron James? It's having that mentorship and coaching. So if you're ready to supercharge your life, hit me up, Des at bornunbreakable.com for more details. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I have one of the most fascinating guests I think I will ever have on the show. Joe and I were just talking a little bit. Let me do a quick introduction and then I'm going to get away from the stage so you can hear from him. I have Joe Templin on the show today and he has, the reason I say fascinating is because he's got some of the most interesting titles that I've ever studied about a person. He's a reformed physicist, which is that by itself sounds really interesting. A financial planner, maybe a little more straightforward, but human Kaizen expert. For those of you who don't know what Kaizen means, we'll probably have to explain that. Um, and business Swiss army knife. That's probably my most favorite description of you. Um, but a little bit more background, as I've learned, is that you're one of six kids. You grew up in farm life, but you live in New York now and you do a lot of traveling. So you're a little bit of everywhere. A martial artist, an ultra distance runner. You've got three boys. I mean, it doesn't get any more eclectic and interesting than that. I also learned that you actually had a speech impediment and, but you've built a career around communicating. That's, that's really fascinating. Um, I'm excited to talk to you about Everyday Excellence. This is actually, Joe is the author of Everyday Excellence. It's a number one Amazon Kindle bestseller right here. So he's got the book right here. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, you could see that, but you can also just Google it on Amazon. It'll pop right up. You can get the physical copy you could get the kindle version so you can you can uh, get it in multiple forums but one of my favorite things that attracted me to joe and why i wanted to have him on the show is because he writes about overcoming limitations and my show is all about 
overcoming self-limiting beliefs and getting to that place where you can excel and accelerate in all of the the ways that you want to in the world. So uh, Joe, Business Swiss Army Knife, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. I'm really looking forward to this. And as we were talking about before you started recording, the uh, tribulations that I went through going out to your neck of the woods last week. And you know what? I'm not dead. So I've got a saying, if it's not fatal, it's fixable. So we can keep going. We can. And it, it is amazing because Joe was describing to me this trip that he made over to, to Vegas from New York, that just every possible thing that could have gone wrong from a travel, like uh, logistics. Let's put that out there. Well, yeah, right. So. I mean, we're talking more in the in the realm of logistics, which of course can be managed and uh, dealt with, right? But, um, but I do think it's, it is, you know, I know we're going to talk on the show today about excellence. It is a testament to how we are tested right? We are tested on a daily basis, our resilience, our fortitude. And sometimes you get to a point when you might feel like you want to throw in the towel because everything is just going in the wrong direction. Well, as but somehow Douglas said, without struggle, there is no progress. And if we're lifting weights, if it's not difficult, we're not going to grow physically. If we're testing ourselves in terms of like our mathematical capabilities, if it's not pushing us, we're not going to improve. And that is what life is. Life is a constant series of tests to see if we're good enough at that moment. And if we're not good enough, how do we react? How do we come back a better version of ourselves so that we can then pass that iteration of the test? Yeah. But I'm curious of your personal story because, like I said, I was fascinated about the breadth of things that you've done in your life. So what for you has kept, like, what, what is this energy that puts you into spaces where you explore and go so deep into, into different subject matter? Was this just like okay, a so thing? Okay, so my addiction challenge comes about relatively early. So I was one of six kids. My mom was a nun. Yes, my mom was a nun. My dad was army, uh, got out of the army, started his consulting business. My mom, after being a nun and having six kids, because that's what you do, of course, um, uh, was a college professor for a little bit. So I've got that influence, that love for learning that my mom instilled in us. Uh, I think I was like uh, eight years old when I told her that I wanted to learn everything there was to learn. So she's like, well, the encyclopedia's over there, get to work. Uh, so that's how she taught us. And also always read with an index card so that you can take notes. Uh, my mom basically gave me the precursor to GTS, which is why I tell my kids. Uh, GTS is Google that shit. You know, basically you can figure it out. You can look it up. You know, I'm not going to hand it to you. Um, so that's how it all started. By the way, I was severely, severely asthmatic as a child. When I was 10 years old, I died. You I got died. better, obviously. But yeah, so, you know, you know, flat line, out of the body, seeing the bright lights, the deep voice, all that stuff came on back. And that's part of the reason why I'm like this. As my friends say, I burned the candle from both ends and in the middle with a flamethrower. And that's just the way that I am. We all get 86,400 seconds a day and I'm going to fully utilize every single one of them. And in fact, if I can multitask on certain things so that I can double dip or even triple dip on, 
I'm going to. And that's the way that I live my life. At the end of the day, I live it so that I have no regrets for what I did that day and no regrets for what I didn't do also for the most part. So live every single day like you're going to die, but also that you're going to live for another thousand years. And if you can find that balance, that's the sweet spot. And that's where we can have the continuous growth. That's amazing. So what was the catalyst to everyday excellence? Why, why that? So in terms of the lightning bolt, the Satari moment that led to it, I was down in the weight room throwing around the kettlebell, listening to Jocko Willink on one of my devices and some Black Sabbath on the other one, which is sort of ironic because it turns out that Black Sabbath is Jocko's favorite band. I found out later. But so, you know, I'm listening to these two things and Jocko made a comment about uh, excellence being a habit. And I'm like, oh, habits need to be practiced every day, every day excellence. And all of a sudden, bang, it hit me. I put down the kettlebell, I ran upstairs, sat down at the computer and brain barfed out the concept for the book and the structure with it being a daily reader every day, a quote from somebody discussion around that to give the reader insight and some guidance, but it's personally interpretable. So it's a lot like the Oracle of Delphi in some ways in that the reader's going to take away what they need at that point. But unlike most of the other daily readers, whether it's a religious daily reader or the daily stoic or um, things like that, I needed to make sure that there was a crystallization because without action, we just have thought and that is useless. So every day has an, an action item where the reader has to actually do something to help crystallize the concepts, to help change their uh, mind and what they're doing. And that action item, actually, some of them are really easy. Like my favorite one is smile at five people. And we can talk about uh, that one in a bit. Some of them are sort of tough, like sitting down and writing out, I forgive you and writing out every reason why you're upset with somebody and then crossing them out and saying, I forgive you for this reason. I forgive you for this reason. I forgive you for this reason. So some of these are really tough. And I actually, every morning, still read the book, even though I wrote it. And some of those action items are like, oh, that sucks. That I don't want to do that. Which means that if you get that little bit of squeamishness, that's where growth happens. That's that's 100% true. It's so funny. At the end of my show, I always say the same thing as a closing, which is, you are your only limit, so take action. Because I, I do believe that we have a tendency to think about the things we wanna do, talk about the things that we wanna do, ruminate about the things we wanna do, but don't take action and about the things we are probably the only animal on earth that has forethought capability, but then does not execute on it. I mean, yeah. everything else that lives in, on this planet, whether it's a tree or a goldfish, will grow to the max capacity of its environment, except human beings. And the mm -hmm. biggest limitations on human beings are ourselves and the environment that we build around us, which very often is limiting people.
It's individuals who bring us down. We literally live in an environment of the bucket of crabs where all our friends try and drag us down as opposed to trying to pull us on up. And so that is one of the things that we all have the capability of changing is the environment to set ourselves up for success as opposed to failure. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. It's, it's so fascinating. I was just writing a blog that's getting posted today and I was talking about healing. And when the first thing that I talked about was forgiveness and it's, it's hard to do. That's why I chose that to talk about first. And I was talking about how forgiveness is, is a very reflective thing because it could be like you said, a person, right? That you, but it could be yourself mm -hmm. too. You know, lots of different things that hold us back and hold us in prison because we are, you know, hanging on to anger, animosity, frustration, anger is disappointment. Pouring, pouring, drinking the poison, hoping to hurt the other individual. And mm -hmm. th this self-damage, these limiting beliefs and doubts and questions and self-loathing in some capacities is one of the greatest dangers we have, not just to our mental health, but also to our overall development. I've got, uh, well, he's not my martial arts student anymore because he's now a master and actually higher rank than me, but he can't beat me. He's faster than I am. He, his technique is on par with mine, but until he believes that he can beat me, he won't. And the instant that he decides that he can beat me, I'm in trouble. Yeah. It's all up here. It's a mental, yeah. it's a mental game, right? What are some of the other things that you found in daily excellence, uh, in, in the everyday excellence that's challenging? So, you know, you talked about forgiveness. What are some of the other ones as you've gotten feedback or have you reflected that are challenging to persevere through, but bring so much growth? Well, when you we said can... it right there. It's persevere because I don't care if you're building a business or learning uh, a skill like playing an instrument or martial arts or a language or public speaking. It, it takes time. It takes work. Few of us are just naturally gifted. Okay. I'm more mathlete than athlete. I'm not a gifted runner. I'm not a gifted martial artist. I have to work at all that. I've got some friends who like they're God gifted. And the thing with people who are God, have God given talent, they rarely fully tap into it because it comes too easy and they don't learn how to work. And so when I was young, everything academically came easy. And so I luckily had my sixth grade teacher who challenged me. She's like, okay, yeah, you're going to start reading the New York Times on the weekend. And you're going to start writing me essays every Monday about what Bertrand Russell wrote. Okay, this is college level stuff. And Mrs. Foster, God bless her soul, challenged me. And it's there that I really started getting my love for words and pushing myself. And if it weren't for things like that, we wouldn't have the growth capacity. So those who too much is given require the greatest challenges to be able to tap into it. I think about the uh, brilliant satirist, uh, Tom Lehrer, you know, Poisoning Pigeons in the Park and all these other songs. Uh, every super nerd will recognize him. He wrote the Element song. 
Uh, and he, when he was at Harvard, just could compose these things and it all came so easy. But because everything was so easy, he didn't learn how to overcome adversity. He didn't learn to push himself. And so he wrote, you know, a couple of great albums and then basically disappeared because there was there was nothing pushing him in any way, shape, or form. It's like the person who wins the lottery and then disappears. You know, they got yeah. $50 million, they're never going to do anything in life. They're going to sit on the beach and all that, as opposed to uh, trying and challenging themselves. So like Michael Jordan getting cut from his high school team is the greatest example of it. It keyed off a fire that the man still has to this day. You know, the first time that you fail at something that you care about, does it break you? Do you run away? Or do you rise to the challenge and say, you know what, losing sucks. I'm gonna practice so much and learn to the level that I'm not gonna lose again. And then you push yourself to the next level, the next level. And this is how we see people like Evander Holyfield. Okay, he was undersized and moved up weight class after weight class after weight class and ended up becoming the real deal. One of the undisputed greatest champions of all time because he was willing to face that adversity. And mm -hmm. so it's not getting knocked down, it's getting back up again and again and again that ultimately makes you a champion. And so I don't even remember where we started on this diatribe, but I apologize for it. But it is having resistance, having obstacles to overcome. As Ryan Holiday talks about in his one book, The Obstacle is the Way. Having the challenge is going to make you stronger and better. And so being able to go through the challenge and the grind every single day because you don't become excellent overnight. As Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hour rule, my Taekwondo master taught us something similar decades previous to that. That takes a hundred times to do a technique, a thousand times to understand it, and 10,000 times to master it. So, and as Bruce Lee said, I don't fear the man who's uh, done 10,000 kicks once, I fear the man who's done one kick 10,000 times, saying the exact same thing. It takes that level of persistence, of repetition, of focused trial and error and practice to become excellent and ultimately master things. And that is what I wish your readers would, or your listeners would hear, is that failure is feedback. Failing lets you know where your limit is, and then you can push yourself to that limit again and again and again and slowly expand that envelope. And that's how you move from being a white belt to a brown belt to a black belt. That's how you move from sounding like you're uh, strangling cats when you're starting to play the violin to sounding pretty decent to being in Carnegie Hall. This is how anything grows and improves. And as little kids, we just do this. I mean, watch a little kid learning to try and walk. Stand up, fall down, stand up, fall down, stand up, fall down, stand up, totter a little bit, fall down. And they keep repeating. And then all of a sudden they're running and climbing and doing everything. And as little kids, we don't fail. Ultimately, we fail in the short term because we don't achieve the goal, but we keep moving and keep attempting and learning and iterating and eventually succeeding. And for some reason, once we become big people, we stop doing that. <laughs> so true. Big people just complicate things too much. Big we really do. Are lazy. Big people are like, 
I'm not, that, that's hard. I'm not going to do it. Every yeah. big person wants the easy button. It's that yeah. 10 to 20% of us who refuse to take the easy way. And so, uh, do you know the story of Hercules and the two paths? Tell no. Okay. So Ryan Holiday actually talks about this at the start of Courage is Calling, and it's one of my favorite stories in the world. So young Hercules, when he was still just a demigod, uh, was out um, one day, and he came upon a split in the path. And to the left was this nice, easy road. And there stood this goddess clad in linen, and she offered him every earthly desire. And she said, Hercules, come this way. It, life will be easy. You will live a life of hedonic pleasure. It all will be great. You will never suffer. However, once you die, you will pass to the dark realms. So you will have an easy life, but you will not have the pleasure of the future. And after three generations, your name will be forgotten. To the right was the bramble path, the hard scrabble way. And there stood a goddess clad in armor. It was dented. And she promised him pain. She promised him suffering. She promised him the labors. And she said, this will be difficult. There will be risk. But if you go this way, if you survive, if you make it through, you will take your place on Olympus as a god. And you will be immortal and remembered forever. So you've got the sinister path that's easy and convenient or you've got the right way which is hard and difficult and struggle and if you go that way you become a god or goddess hercules took the path of difficulty and ultimately ends up being on olympus in every situation we have that dichotomy those two paths we can choose we can take the easy or convenient thing Okay, we can play video games instead of cracking the book and studying. We can avoid the difficult discussion with our business partner or our significant other. We can eat the cupcake instead of eating the healthy food. We can sit on the couch and watch The Bachelor and eat Cheetos instead of putting on our running shoes and going for a run. Okay? Or we can take the more difficult path. We can delete that app that takes us to bad places. We can study. We can go run in the rain, even though it's going to suck and I hate doing it, but I do it. Okay? We can avoid the difficult discussion or do the hard work and get up early and you know go for the run and sit there and write and prepare for the podcast. We can do the easy things, have the convenient life, but every step along that path leads to a more difficult thing down the road versus going down the right way which is hard up front, but makes things easier long range. Doing the difficult things, building your business, and in your 20s, sacrificing and not going out drinking with your friends and partying, and like living in your cheap grad school apartment still with no phone <laughs> and TV like I did, so that you can work more, gives you financial freedom. You know, doing the hard work, going out and running 10 miles, means I can eat whatever I want that night. But if I don't go for a run, I don't get to have the cheeseburgers. And I love cheeseburgers. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. So no. this is the thing I want people to really take away. Convenience kills. And choose the path of excellence as opposed to convenience.
please click the back button and repeat that <laughs> about a dozen times. Kills. Look at this. in the United States right now, half of our adults are obese. And that is a lifestyle choice. Okay. As my master taught me decades ago, you dig your grave with your teeth. Now, I love to eat. I run so I can eat. Okay. I love donuts. So, like on my last cheat day, which was my birthday, I had five donuts on that day because yeah. it was my 50th birthday. My last cheat day before that was National Donut Day. I had 10 donuts that day. All I had was donuts <laughs> and coffee. My, even my kids are like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? Okay. <laughs> but I also, on my birthday, I did a five mile run. I did all my Taekwondo forms. I did 500 kettlebell swings. I did 50 pull ups. I did 500 punches each hand. You earn those donuts, I Joe. Those donuts. As Matthew McConaughey says, earn your Saturday night. I was sitting down with my buddy yesterday and I told him all about my trip and how horrible it was and everything. And he's like, dude, you need a beer. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to have one because I didn't earn it. Let's talk about discipline. I have now discipline how because I'm ADHD. And discipline equals freedom, as Jocko says. So you set up the parameters, you set up the protocols, and then you can do whatever you want within them. But having the processes, having the protocols, having the discipline then gives you the right to be able to do the things within it. So like, here's my list of stuff I need to do for the day, and other than like it. the podcasts and the other things that have set times. This is what I need to accomplish to, at the end of the day, have a successful day. I have now crossed off oh, all of them. So that means I get to throw it in the garbage like David Letterman. <laughs> but then I'm done. And so when I sit down at the start of the day and I write down the critical things, I take a couple of minutes to plan out what needs to be done. And then I'm not dorking around. I just jump on it and take care of it. And some things yeah. take, you know, five minutes and some of them will take 40 minutes. And so it's like, all right, I got 30 minutes before the next podcast. All right, I jump on the short ones and crank them all out okay mm -hmm. oh there's an hour before the next podcast i then tackle the long big thing so that it's done and when i'm done with all these i throw it on out as i said and technically i've accomplished what i need to for that day now what i then do is i sit down and i do another list of okay what are secondary and tertiary things that i can accomplish that are not the main drivers but then i can get through them and too many people create busy work by working on the things that are not really important, not the drivers of their life, their business, their relationships and all that. It's surface mm -hmm. stuff as opposed to the deep work. And by doing the deep work, as Cal Newport talks about, we actually accomplish the important things. And a lot of the tertiary things, I'm trying to outsource. Okay, can I hire my kid for 15 bucks an hour to <laughs> take care of this video editing and this and that stuff? So I can actually go do the more important things. And when you approach your life and business that way, it allows you to then have better growth and more fun. Because guess what? Those things around the edges, typically that's the stuff that you hate. That's the soul-sucking, yeah. mind-numbing junk work as opposed mm -hmm. to the things that utilize our unique abilities. So if you can focus on the important things and the things that get you all amped up, then you're going to have more excitement. And when we're first building the businesses, we have to do all that junk. 
Always. But mm -hmm. you got to remember, that's the junk that allows you to do the fun stuff. That's the cleaning the dojang that allows you to train and earn your black belt. That's the laying of the bricks in the cathedral. So it has to be done, but it's your attitude around it. Is it, I hate this, or this is just a, another stepping stone towards greatness? Yeah. I'm so curious because you brought up your your sons. <laughs> is what influence, you know, of them seeing your commitment, your diligence, and all the things that you're doing had on them? So what? I think that the best feedback that I've gotten from this, uh, my middle son, who's my mini-me, uh, he's actually got all my worst tendencies because he's completely fearless. Um He's also good looking and didn't have asthma as a kid. So he's super athlete. This is a kid who finished uh, the first uh, um, ultra marathon that I did. I did two marathons a day and he ran the last 5K of the first one with me. And then he turned around and I went and ran the, another marathon. He calls me that night. He's like, hey, Da, because you were doing another marathon, I did my first marathon today. He was 14. Wow. Okay. So that same year, uh, actually a couple of weeks later, we were down at the family cabin and we had to dig out the septic system. This is a cabin in the mountains. So it's all rocks. And this septic system was about 30, 40 years old. Last time I'd been dug up when I was a little kid. So we didn't know exactly where it was. So we had to dig through about two feet of rocks and roots and all this sort of stuff. And it literally took us 11 plus hours of hardcore digging and all that. And so I, he helped out and I rewarded him with chocolate milk, which is how he likes to be rewarded and everything. And at the, after everything was done, long, hard day, we went for a swim in the lake and everything. And we're sitting there and I'm just talking with him like, hey man, you know, good job. And he's like, yeah, I worked like a Templin today. I'm like, dude, yes, you did. Legit. Okay? So not only did he understand the value of hard work and we were helping out my dad and, you know, contributing to the family environment to do this, but he understood at that point what it meant to be part of Team Template and that you have this name to live up to. And so when he said that, I mean, look at me, I'm getting all like messy. I just talking about him doing this. And so two out of my three kids have adopted that and understand it and have developed that work ethic. That's incredible. Well, and they see it, right? And yeah. that's the biggest so thing. We, I try and model it. <clears throat> and there's an old saying, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. So... So our kids pick up more from observation than by us preaching to them. And this it goes beyond this. In our work environment, our young interns, the newest hires, they see what we do. They feel it, they hear it, and they know it. So, for example, when I was still working in an office with a lot of other people, I was the first one in. So I'd go to the gym and be there at 5 a.m. when they opened go work out and everything, drive on over, be at the office at 6.45. Anybody who came into the office early because uh, we actually didn't even open the doors till seven and that's when I'd be seeing my first client, 
But anybody who showed up early would see I was making the coffee. Here I am, one of the senior guys, biggest producers, and I'm making the coffee because that's what you do. Any of my Taekwondo students who showed on up 45 minutes before class would see me there sweeping the floor because even though I was the senior student and assistant instructor, that's what you do. So I would show up early, sweep it, and then I'd start training. So they would see me if they showed up 40, you know, 35 minutes early, I was doing the same very basic forms that are white belts were. I did all my forms all the way up through my highest black belt form. And then I would go and assist people before class began so that they were more prepared to be able to execute or learn or know their forms better or what have you. So, and then they would see me after class, as long as my master wasn't around and you know, wanted us to go and talk, I'd stick around after class to continue to teach and train with people. So yeah. we model the behavior we want to see in others. And that's because I remember seeing the senior black belts doing it. Oh, I remember my uncle working his butt off on the farm and everything. This is just the environment that I grew up in. And so mm -hmm. if we want the people around us to be better, we have to focus on being better ourselves. And if we step yeah. up, those around us will step up. And the side of corollary to that is that we need to be around people who want to push us also, who want to push themselves. Because you probably heard the saying that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So get around better people. Yes. Please. Yeah. <laughs> it will serve it will serve you. And and speaking of betterment, you know, I I did have to mention of the probably 87 different titles that you have, I noticed that you're also the vice president of the Autism Society. Yes. So tell tell me what your your connection and desire and drive is around autism. So two out of my three kids are special needs. Uh, mm -hmm. So both of them are on the autistic spectrum. One's an Asperger's and the other is moderate on the spectrum in addition to being ADHD. So when my youngest was diagnosed, um, actually before he was diagnosed, he got thrown out three different summer camps in a two week period. So that made that summer a lot of fun. Um, he got thrown out on my birthday on one of them. Uh, yeah. And wow. so we didn't know what was going on. And uh, then like the school told us uh, about a month later, hey, we think it might be this, go get him checked, got him checked. And it's like, part of it's a sigh of relief. Okay, you know, I know what's going on. And part of it's like, holy shit, my kid's got, you know, special needs kid. And, yeah. you know, that means that things are going to completely change. They had to move him out of the school he was in. In fact, he was in four different schools in less than a calendar year. That's a lot. Yeah. And, you know, so he's in a special program and 812 classroom, as it's called, with an aide. And he's learning, you know, how to understand himself and how to interact. Needs all sorts of special services. And he's gotten really, really good. But one of the things is that when you first find this out, you realize, all right, my kid might be dependent on me forever. And I have friends who have autistic children who their kids are several steps further along on the spectrum and will be dependent on them financially and um, otherwise for their entire life. 
Mm -hmm. So shout out to my buddy, Jason, who actually used this as an impetus to build an incredibly successful company because his son will never be able to drive and have uh, freedom of movement, have that mm -hmm. sort of independence. So my friend Jason actually founded a company to actually deal with this. And so his company builds a lot of the technology around self-driving cars. So he's mm -hmm. taken what other people could classify as a bad event or a bad situation, and he's used it to improve the world because five years from now, people will be able to get in the, their cars and it doesn't matter if they're blind or have dementia or have autism and or narcolepsy, which is another big one, or epilepsy, you know, that people with epilepsy can't drive for the most part. They will have the same sort of freedoms that those of us without issues have, those of us who are mm -hmm. neuronormal. And so this is a major contribution to society. And so people who can take a negative event and basically a keto it into something incredibly positive, shout out to them. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That is incredible. And um, so tell me about your next adventure with, obviously, their athleticism is important to you. What's the next big thing that you're getting ready for it sounds like you've done some marathons recently what's coming up next for so, you? so i actually haven't had any big races this year which is sort of bothered me because in my uh, feedback today a bunch of things popped up last year on this day i did the vermont 100 on a 100 which is a 100 mile team relay race one day did i did 25 or 26 miles i don't remember but it was brutally hot i remember that it was just ungodly horribly hot yeah. But it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, as you can see, I'm addicted to challenge like this. And then, like, um, actually, six years ago, I think we did the Peaks to Brews, which was a 240-mile uh, team relay race. That that one was nuts, absolutely nuts. Uh, in fact, that was so bad we couldn't finish the race because the there was a thunderstorm that flooded the finish line. That wow. was cool. <laughs> like a, get a canoe and uh, row yourself oh, no, past no, they're both like, whatever. And, you know, <laughs> and, and you finish right next to the brewery and then you get free drinks. And so, there you know, go. we had to like end around so that we could go and start drinking heavily. It's rehydrating. Yeah. So, well, I, um, you've I'm done working. a lot. Maybe, maybe it's a good break <laughs> for you this year. Well, it's because I broke my leg in january when i was training for a 125 kilometer race that'll so do it it took a while to get back from that and then um i end up messing up my hips training in taekwondo because i'm training for my next rank there so i'll probably take that rank test sometime uh over the next couple of months and i'm trying to get into the hamster wheel which is a four mile loop whoop that you do for 24 hours. 24 hours. Yep. And actually, uh, the plan is I'm going to do that with my son. I got a special exemption for him because he's a couple months too young to compete in it technically. Uh, so what will happen is he, he's got this exemption. So I'll do like two or three loops, then he'll do one loop. I'll do two or three loops, and he'll do one loop. In the end, hopefully, we can get our 100-plus miles in under 24 hours, and then we'll get really cool belt buckles with zombie hamsters. 
Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you've got to get at least that. Jeez. <laughs> Where is that? Is that in New York? No, that one's in New Hampshire. Okay. Okay. So I want to get into a couple of questions that'll help people to get to know you even, even a little better. So the first question I have for you is, uh, what makes you unbreakable, Joe? Uh, what makes me unbreakable is the fact that I've been broken before and put myself back together. You know, as Hemingway said, the world tries to break everybody and those that can't break it kills. So I break and then just put myself back and keep going. So as I say, if it's not fatal, it's fixable. I'm not dead, so I can keep fighting. So I'm broken, doesn't matter. You know what? Rub some dirt on it, suck it up buttercup, let's go. <laughs> and in fact, I learned sucking up buttercup from my mom when I was like four years old. So everybody thought that was a saying from my fraternity. No, my mom told me that many, many years before that. So yeah. you break, you get up, you keep going. You find a way or you make a way, as Hannibal said. That's right. That's that perseverance. That's that perseverance. All right. What is one thing that's on your bucket list? I got a bunch of things on my bucket list. But one of the things that I'm going to do because it terrifies me so much is that I am going to jump out of a plane because I'm terrified of planes. I am actually the one fear I have is flying i'm scared in fact that you know uh whole uh you know odyssey that i was telling you about my trip and everything mm -hmm. i didn't tell you that like on the first flight there was a whole bunch of turbulence and so i was like literally in the uh air sickness bag and yes i used it yeah <laughs> I, it's fine. and so i'm gonna jump out of a plane because it terrifies me is it something that you want to do solo or would you want to have someone with you oh uh, i'm actually looking at again because it's all about the back buckles one of my friends from my running team is like hey how about you who's a skydiver he skydives all the time he's like hey, oh nice come do this we jump out of a plane and then we run 10k and then they give you a belt buckle i'm like okay for the belt buckle i'll jump out of the plane. <laughs> I love it all you have to be is getting incentivized with a belt buckle and you're You'll be right there. Here's the thing. You know, I've got all these medals from these races. Like, I got one here and sitting in my office. I've got like dozens and dozens between Taekwondo and uh, running. And, you know, they're really cool at the moment, but it's what you become doing. It's the stories. Like, you know, I was mentioning the Peaks to Bruise, and it's like, hey, remember when Becky killed the band? And, you know, remember when. The, you know, we couldn't finish this part because of the flooding. And remember when the lights went out in the brewery afterwards. And it's these stories that you keep decades later. I mean, my one Taekwondo student still tells people about, you know, the tales of Templin from 30 years ago. And like, he would go around telling other competitors all these outlandish stories about me, most of which were actually true. Uh, to like intimidate them beforehand. And I went and was training with a bunch of the younger black belts, most of which who don't know me because the homeschool is 90 minutes away from me. And one of the other senior masters comes over and is like, hey, remember what I was telling you about the, you know, the trip to Indiana 20 years ago? And, you know, the, that huge break this guy did, you know, the jumping Spain kick and the flying stuff and everything. And the uh, younger black belt's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him. That was Joe. 
And yeah, it's like, <gasps> Awestruck. Well, you do have a really good last name, though, for adventure. It just sounds like adventure is supposed to be associated with it. Yeah, Templin. Templin. It's so true. I'm just an average okay. Joe, though, who I, refuses to give up. I mean, but that's what's so intriguing about it. That's the thing is that you're, you're showing, but like you said, by example, because it's not just what you say, it's what you do. And that's what's so encouraging about the stories. Is, it, is it comes about from doing. our habits a lot. Like, so I get up in the morning and I have my half cup of coffee and then I turn on the coffee pot because I have it ready so that I don't waste time. I sit down, I dump out whatever's in my brain from sleeping. Then I read for about five, 10 minutes, including my own book and all this other stuff. Then I go for either a two mile run or for a 20 minute walk. Then I sit down and I write some more. Then I go and I do my Taekwondo and weightlifting. And then I sit down and I write for a little bit. And then I shower up, have breakfast and roll into the day and do what I need to do. And it's just that habit stack to quote James Clear mm -hmm. of setting up like that. I have a saying, win the morning, win the day. So that way I've, got a real good jump on the morning on the day and from there even if there's absolute chaos like the other day with my trip we yeah still make sure that we get something out of it that's right but the morning miracle hal elrod yeah. that isn't that's an you know that's one of the keys is is how you start your morning is the is the way you set the tone for the day you know so i'm really curious the answer to this question what is a self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome? That I did not deserve love and I did not deserve to make a lot of money. You know, growing up on a farm, you know, money was sort of an alien concept because we didn't have really have it. I mean, we always had food because we had cows and chickens and pigs and, you know, acres of planted land and all that. So we had all that. But I mean, we didn't have cable TV growing up. We had the three channels out in the middle of the hinterlands. And so we didn't need it. I mean, we had books. I mean, my mom, when I was like three years old, realized, don't send me to my room when I got in trouble because that's where the books are. So that's why, I, you know, my brother and I would act up so we could go read books. So, you know, it's like, okay. I don't need to have a fancy vehicle. I've got my van because that's what we use for racing. I could I could have a sports car. That would be okay, I guess. You know, I don't need a huge house because what would I do? I just have more space to clean. Hey, give me 100 acres of land out in the middle of nowhere that I can go run around. In. So, you know, I never needed things. And so having wealth seemed like, oh, well, that's what other people do. So wealth actually, though, is like wealth is like alcohol in that it is an enhancer. It brings out who you are. If you're a jerk, you're going to be a bigger jerk with a lot of money. Just mm -hmm. like if you're, you're a jerk, you get drunk, you're a loudmouth big jerk. Okay? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just me. I'm loquacious. I, you know, write. I talk. You know, I'm friendly for the most part. You know, that's just the way that I am. So you get a couple of drinks in me. Guess what? I turn pink. And I'm just like this. <laughs> the same. Exactly. Yeah. Okay? That's the Irish in me coming out. So oh, it, it. it doesn't matter if I sell, you know, 10,000 books this year or a million books. I prefer to sell a million, obviously. But it's not going to change who I am. Because mm -hmm. guess what? 
I'm not going to have 50 cheeseburgers. I'm still going to have only two cheeseburgers. I might try yeah. to eat 50. No, I won't even try to eat You'll savor those two cheeseburgers right. now. You know what? But what I might do is, you know, I'll have the two cheeseburgers and beer, but I'll have three or four buddies with me and I'm paying for them so we can hang out and talk as opposed to, you know, me working a little bit later. Okay. It's not going to change who I am. So that self-limiting belief of, you know, having not come from money that, you know, not wanting it, I don't want it, but I don't mind it. Okay. It's not my main driver, but it's the side result of doing what I do of helping individuals. So my goal of reaching a hundred million people and positively impacting them, will that help me financially? Sure. I'm not going to measure the money. I mean, it it could be a million bucks, could be 500,000, could be 2 million. I don't know. I don't care. It's how many people can I impact by focusing on that endless game, really. I don't, you know, turn into Scrooge McDuck and count the money. I just focus on the goal of helping other people out. So that's one of the big self-limiting beliefs. And the other one was that, you know, uh, love is only is conditional it is based on me getting a hundred on my report card or, you know, me doing things for others. You know what? I deserve love. We all do. So I'm good enough, but I can be better. If we can tell ourselves that, then we can accept who we are and love ourselves as we are, but become better versions of ourselves. Agreed. Oh, that's so true. Okay. What about a superpower? What's a superpower that you have that you're really proud of? Uh, I can wiggle my chin. Oh, you're good at that. So that's not really a superpower. My superpower is sort of what uh, Steve Jobs had. Steve Jobs was known for his reality distortion field. And he used it, especially early in his career, to beat other people up and manipulate them to get his will, get his desire. But I have, in a lot of ways, was known as the Michelangelo phenomenon in that I can see the potential. I can see the David in the marble. I can see what people have the capability of becoming. And the question is, can I convey that vision of their potential to them and get them to buy into what it takes to chip away all the extraneous stuff to unleash that potential within them. Yeah. Oh, that that is very powerful. That is very powerful. Joe, if there was one last piece of advice that you could give to anybody listening right now, what would it be? So we already talked about taking the right path as opposed to the easy, convenient path. But the other thing is something that my father taught me years and years ago. And this past trip, which was so difficult, really uh, pushed my limits on it. But he told me that in any situation, whether it's a class that you take, a seminar that you attend, an interaction with a person, um, a book that you read, no matter what, always look for the pearl of wisdom, or as I call it, the pearl of excellence. That one thing that you can take away, and it might be because like it's something that's gritty and gotten inside your psyche or your, your mind that's bothering you. And so you have to layer around it, the necra, the mother of pearl, to create something beautiful. 
But if in every situation you can find that pearl of wisdom, if you string together enough of these pearls, you can really have a very rich life. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. So awesome. How can people find you, Joe? How can they connect with you and stay up on the journey of Joe Templin? So unfortunately, I don't have the bat signal, even though the other day at Starbucks, I did say I'm Batman. Um, <laughs> and, and the person working it appreciated that. It gave them a smile. So mission accomplished there. But if they go to everyday-excellence.com, that's everyday-excellence.com, that's the website. Every single day, there's a new microblog, there's the Twitter feed, there's, uh, we're going to put the TikTok up there. Yes, I TikTok now. Uh, no, I don't dance. <laughs> I was so excited that I can break it stuff. <laughs> so, because uh, TikTok allows people to, in 15 to 20 seconds, get a, a shot of Joe. It's like doing the espresso shot. Bang, you're ready to go. So those yeah. are all different way, things that I've done to help create an environment for individuals to improve themselves, to unlock their own personal excellence. So there's all these different free tools that I put on out there. You can get the book there and it's also on Amazon, all these other places, but go to the website, subscribe. And that way it's very easy for you, your listeners to continuously get what they need to help themselves grow and be more excellent. That's awesome. This has been such a tremendous time. I'm so grateful for your time, your wisdom, your energy, and, and truly your excellence, because I know that just, you know, learning about you and your story is going to inspire and motivate so many people. And now they know where to go to get more of it. So I appreciate you coming on today. Yes, thank you. This has been wonderful. And I hope that I added some value to your listeners today. Tremendously, tremendously. Joe Templin. Talk about energy, charisma, drive, ambition. I am enamored and in awe by all of the things he does, everything he is, and how much he puts into everything that he does. Talk about excellence. It's not even half ass. I mean, to you know, at some point doing so much, you would think that you would not be excellent. But because of who he is, he pours into everything he does from martial arts to being a parent to being a businessman. And hope hopefully that I'm, I'm confident that shine through. I don't even, I can't even say hope because I was sitting there feeling so determined to kick this week in the ass just because of how on fire he is. And that just goes to show, you know, by the energy and the company that you keep can fuel the action that you take. If you are surrounded by negative people who don't take action, 
then that is what is going to rub off on you. Even if you don't want it to, that's just how the world works. If you're around people who are go-getters, who are driven, who are ambitious, who are creatives, that is going to emanate. It's like osmosis. It carries and that energy, you know, it permeates and it will impact you. Uh, I, I just truly believe that. The more I see the patterns of people like Joe, there are some common trends and who the company you keep is one of them. That's one of them. So yeah, you're going to hear that from me. It's going to be repetitious, but hopefully that's something then that you start to say to yourself, there's a point there. There's a point there. It's not just Des. It's people over and over and over again who have exhibited sustained success that have some common threads. And and that is certainly one of those common threads. You know, if you started off your day, or if you're in the middle of the day, or you're whenever you're listening to this, and you felt at all like you wanted to throw in the towel, that you told yourself you can't, that you're like, this is just too much. This podcast interview should shift your energy and your direction. You are capable of doing anything that you put your mind to. But like Joe said, it does take work. It does take consistency. And I love that story about Hercules. That's freaking brilliant because we all have that choice in this society, in this this day and age that we're in right now of instant gratification. And and yeah, I know that I'm on my freaking pedestal about this a lot, but it is it is pervasive. It is around us all the time. Everything being instantaneous, wanting instantaneous results by putting in minimal effort. The world does not work that way. You need to put your heart, your soul, consistency, and persistence into the things that you want to see results in. I can't tell you how many things I'm working on right now and day after day, it is a grind. I'm like, shit, I'm, I'm just one millimeter further than I was yesterday. But guess what? In 15 days, in 30 days, in 45 days, in 60 days, that millimeter will become an inch, a mile, and so much more. But you have to stay after it. Don't be that person that gives up because it was too hard, because you had a bad day, because some person said some shit that got to you. Don't let that happen. Be a person that strives for the excellence that Joe is talking about. Take a breath if you need to. And as he said, it's not when you fail and it's not when you fall. It's when you get back up again and go after it. Go after your dreams. Go after what you want. Chase and pursue those things that you want to be, that you want to do. You have one life. Don't waste it. Such an incredible episode. As I always say, you are your only limit, so take action today. If you haven't already, please subscribe or follow the Born Unbreakable podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you don't miss an episode. And tune in again 
because I have a treat. If you are a true crime fan, like you know I am, if you've followed me for any little piece of time, you've probably figured that out quickly. I am totally a true crime junkie. I have amazing guests. I have the hosts of The Root of Evil coming on my show. Sisters, Rasha and Yvette, go look up The Root of Evil right now wherever you listen to podcasts. Tune into it. Let that be the precursor before you listen to their interview that's coming out soon, this month, okay? So I'm going to leave it at that. I don't want to give away too much, so that way you stay tuned, you follow along, and you look forward to that interview that's coming soon. Thanks for tuning in, and do not miss, do not miss what's coming up here for the rest of this month on the Born Unbreakable podcast.